Yeah, started. Uh, okay, uh, you're live. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allahumma salli wa sallim wa barik ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Amma ba'd. Uh, welcome to everyone inshallah ta'ala for another uh, lesson Quranic progression. And um, I hope that everyone inshallah ta'ala is keeping well and healthy and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is keeping everyone safe and their loved ones as well. And one of the things that we can, you know, that that it's more difficult to do in the situation that we're in is to keep in touch and keep in contact with those people that we would usually in the manner that we are accustomed to. So visiting our elders, visiting our our relatives, visiting people who we are close, uh, close to. And obviously that includes visiting our brothers and sisters as we would usually in our masajid and in the Jum'ah prayer and generally in the masjid. Um, you know, even for ourselves in this class, it would usually be held in a masjid where there are people that are coming for the salah and where there are people coming to attend this class. And so one of the things that's, that's always good to do and it's a good reminder as well is that there are ways in which we can keep in touch and keep in contact with one another to just check up on each other and make sure that inshallah ta'ala everyone is well and healthy and that no one needs anything because within every single one of our communities there will be people who have afflicted have been afflicted with COVID-19 who are ill who have maybe mild symptoms, maybe not severe symptoms, but they are still ill, so they have to self-isolate. They are uh, maybe have a high temperature, a persistent cough, and those other symptoms that we're now very well aware of. And so those people, if they are in your community and you keep in touch with them and they need help, they need you to drop something off, they need you to buy something for them, they need you to perhaps occasionally cook for them, then that's something which is one of the greatest acts of worship that you can perform, especially in a time like this, in a way that's safe for you and safe for them by abiding by the restrictions and the guidelines but also by helping them in a manner that you can and the Prophet told us Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Wallahu fi abdi ma abdu fi akhi Allah is in the help and the assistance of a person so long as they are in the assistance of a fellow person and so that's something which is very good that we can do and so one thing that I would like you to do please for those of you that are following us on this lesson Please, inshallah ta'ala, in the comment section on the portal, send salams and just let us know that you're doing well, inshallah, that you're okay, that you're healthy. That you're healthy. And it's something which, you know, even we can, uh, as a class, even though we're kind of virtual now and we're on online, but it's a way that we can continue to keep track with one another, keep, uh, you know, making sure that inshallah ta'ala we're well and that everything is going okay. So that's something which I would encourage you to do anyway amongst your family and your friends and to do that with that intention is an amazing act of worship and in the same hadith the Prophet told us وسلم, that whoever relieves from another believer any distress and hardship Allah will relieve from them one of the distresses and hardships of Yomul Qiyamah of the Day of Judgment and so relieving a hardship and a stress isn't necessarily uh, you know something major it can be the smallest of things and the smallest of of issues that you can help someone with just to make things slightly easy for them and every one of us in our communities has people who require that help elderly people who can no longer go out people who are uh, maybe have long-term health conditions that find it difficult to go out and so it is good for us therefore to be able to keep in touch with them and so please uh, you know just send salams on the portal and just let us know inshallah ta'ala that you're doing okay 
So this week, inshallah ta'ala, we're going to begin with the tafsir of Surah Al-Adiyat. Surah Al-Adiyat. And last week, uh, or towards the end of last week, uh, as we went through a lot of issues concerning COVID-19, just as a reminder, but what we finished with was the conclusion of Surah Al-Qari'ah. And Surah Al-Adiyat is the 100th Surah of the Qur'an. The 100th Surah of the Qur'an. Which means that we have now... Uh, as we come to the end of our second year of QP of Quranic progression, we have by the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and by his blessings and through his mercy, we have completed the tafsir of 14, one four surahs of the Quran. And so Surah Al-Adiyat is the 15th surah that we are making tafsir of. And inshallah ta'ala, over the next few weeks, we will complete this as well before we break for uh, our usual break, just before the onset of the month of Ramadan. Surah Al-Adiyat is a surah in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the, uh, some of the, the main ills and some of the main diseases and some of the main weaknesses that are inherent within mankind. And those are that man generally is a creation that is ungrateful and that rejects blessings and denies blessings and doesn't show gratitude for the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and how man is someone who is constantly humans are people who are constantly engrossed in wealth and materialism and people who become attached to the short term rather than being able to understand and think about the long term. And that is basically the theme of Surah Al-Adiyat. It speaks about those people, but it begins with a, a very beautiful um, oath that is taken by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there is a clear link between these surahs. So if you were to look at them in chronological order, which is obviously the other way, the, the order that we're not doing in, because we're going in reverse order. But if you were to go in, not chronological order, sorry, but the normal order of recitation of the Qur'an, so you start from Fatiha, Baqarah, and so on, you would come to Surah Zalzala first, then Adiyat, then Qari'ah, and then, uh, and then At-Takathur. And there is a clear link between these surahs in terms of their theme and subject matter and in terms of their connection to one another and how they relate to one another. So in Surah Al-Zalzala, when Allah is speaking about Yawm Al-Qiyamah and the Day of Judgment and some of the terrors of that day and the and the very uh, the very vivid nature in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about Yawm Al-Qiyamah, Allah concludes that surah, as you know, by saying, فَمِنْ يَعْمَلْ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ خَيْرًا يَرَى Whoever does even an atom's weight, a mustard seed of good, will see it on that day. And whoever does even a mustard seed of evil on that day, then they will see it. And then Allah transitions into Surah Al-Adiyat. And Surah Al-Adiyat, as we said, is a surah that then starts speaking about why the vast majority of people will be in the category of the latter and not the former meaning that they will be the people who see their evil deeds as more. And those are the ones that they will have and come and bring on Yawm Al-Qiyamah in a vast quantity as opposed to their good deeds. And one of the greatest reasons for that is because they are people who have turned away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, denied Allah's blessings, not understood the many blessings that Allah azza wa has bestowed upon them. And it is so easy when you're in the normal daily grind of life to become, uh, to become blind to the many blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and favors that Allah azza wa has given to us. It is a very easy thing to do. And unless you constantly remind yourself 
and unless you constantly recognize Allah's blessings, and unless you constantly remember that this is something which should be a priority, that you should thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and show gratitude for what He has blessed you with, then we fall in danger of becoming those people who are heedless in terms of Allah's blessings. And the situation that we're in now is a very good example. Even the smallest things, and you know, I'm speaking from the UK where you know, we're being told to stay in our homes and only leave our homes for necessity and for need. If you need to go to the doctor, you leave. If you need to go and buy essential food items, you leave. But otherwise, you stay in your home. And even if you're outside, unless you're with your own family, the people who live in your household, you're not allowed to have more than two people together at any single time. All of these different restrictions which have now made us even appreciate the blessings that we never even considered to be blessings. Be not because they weren't blessings, but because they were so normal and so everyday that even when someone told us, remember Allah's blessings, we will think about money. We will think about, you know, maybe the small things that we get to eat and enjoy. But whoever thought that from the blessings of Allah is being able to walk outside of your own home and to be able to freely walk and mix and mingle. Whoever thought that one of the greatest blessings that Allah has given to us is just the safety and security of being able to drive to work or take your kids to school or being able to go to the masjid without fearing some type of disease or illness that may affect you and affect those around you. And that shows us that we have become so oblivious to some of those small blessings. And Sadaqallah, how truthful is Allah when He says, If you were to try to enumerate Allah's blessings, you would be unable to do so. And that's not just the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we can start to think and write about. It is the blessings that Allah has given to us that we don't even know that they're blessings. That our minds have yet to understand and appreciate. Our minds have not gone to those tangents where we even consider them to be blessings because of how much or for how granted we take them to be. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this surah, this is a surah that speaks about that very true reality of people who reject Allah Azza wa Jal and instead, as Allah will say and as we will come on to, وَإِنَّهُ لِحُبِّ الْخَيْرِ لَشَدِيدٍ That instead mankind has an, an attachment and a severe love, and a severe love that doesn't allow a person to, uh, doesn't allow a person to, sorry guys, let me just try something here, doesn't allow a person to, even remember and acknowledge what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has bestowed upon them. And so Allah Azza wa Jal, this is the theme or one of the themes of Surah uh, Al-Adiyat. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala transitions as we've already covered into Surah Al-Qari'ah. And Surah Al-Qari'ah then in some ways repeats what is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in Surah uh, in Surah uh, Al-Zalzala. When he said as we mentioned or in our previous lessons, فَأَمَّا مَنْ ثَقُلَتْ مَوَازِينُهُ when Allah speaks about the heaviness of the scale of deeds and, and the lightness of other people's scale of deeds. And so therefore, that's something which also has a clear link between these surahs. All of them are speaking about Yawm Al-Qiyamah, they're speaking about our deeds, they're speaking about how on Yawm Al-Qiyamah we will understand the value and the preciousness of even the smallest act of good that we could have done and even the smallest act of evil that we did do and that we didn't leave. And that is why the Prophet told us in terms of good deeds, Don't belittle any good deed, even if it is to smile at a fellow Muslim. 
and that is because it is those deeds that perhaps will weigh heaviest on our on our on our uh, deeds on Yom Al Qiyamah, and Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala knows best. Sorry guys, I'm just trying to adjust something here in our setup. Okay, so so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, and then obviously from Surah Al-Qari'ah we go to Surah Al-Takathur and Surah Al-Takathur speaks about, again as we mentioned before of that issue of hoarding and wanting but not hoarding and this is one of the the lessons that we find from these surahs is that we're not that Allah that when we're speaking about hoarding, it's not hoarding of good deeds, but rather it is hoarding of materialism and the dunya and so on, rather than a hoarding of good deeds of ibadat of of worshiping Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. It is a hoarding of dunya and of wealth and of materialism instead. So Surah Al-Adiyat is a surah that speaks, as we said, about that issue of um, of of uh, of being of denying and being grateful for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's blessings. It is the 100th surah of the Quran and as we usually do when we come to the beginning of a surah we do an introduction in terms of its names and and its classification of Mecca and Madani and so on. And so that's what we're going to begin with inshallah ta'ala. The surah surah al-adiyat is known by two names in the books of hadith and the books of tafsir and they are um, very similar. Uh, in fact it is known as Wal-Adiyat, which is the beginning of the first verse. And as we've covered a number of times and repeated a number of times, it is one of the most common ways that the classical scholars of Islam, the old scholars of Islam in the early generations of Muslims, when the early works of Hadith and Tafsir were being written, uh, and other subjects as well, other sciences as well, it is how they would often refer to surahs, that they would refer to them either by the first verse in its totality or by a portion of the first verse. So, Wal-Adiyati obviously being uh, part of the first verse of Surah Al-Adiyat. The names that we have now become accustomed to, some of them were known, uh, well, all of them were known during that time, but not all of them were prevalent. And so people would refer to surahs by a number of names. However, over time, and especially in our time, for the vast majority at least, if not all of them, it has now become a, uh, a kind of uh, agreement amongst people that the, the names have, uh, the surahs have names that, that they are universally known by. So when we say Surah Adiyat, everyone knows what Surah Adiyat is. And when we say Surah Qari'ah, everyone knows what Surah Qari'ah is. And when we say Surah Ikhlas, everyone knows what Surah Ikhlas is, and so on and so forth. That wasn't necessarily the case in the early generations. And one of the benefits of going back to those early books of Hadith, of Fiqh, of Tafsir, and so on, is you find how the early scholars used to approach these subjects and topics and what was prevalent amongst them. And remember, that is not only the time when these sciences are now first being written and, and being, and being um, codified, but at the same time, these are people who live in a time when they're only like two, 200, 300 years from the, the time of the Prophet They are maybe sixth, seventh, eighth generation Muslims. And so between them and the Prophet are only a handful of people. Only a handful of people. 
And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, says, or one of the names rather of this surah is Wal-Adiyat. And that's what it's known by in some of the old works or some of the classical works of Islam. It is the name that it is used by Al-Imam Al-Tabari, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, the famous scholar and Imam of Tafsir, and Al-Imam Al-Bukhari, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, in his Tafsir, as we, in his Sahih, as we know, Sahih Al-Bukhari has a whole book that is dedicated to Tafsir, Kitab Al-Tafsir. And within that, he mentions narrations concerning uh, the surahs of the Quran. And so when he refers to surahs, he obviously refers to them by a name. And so that is also an indication of how it was known amongst them. And obviously Imam al-Bukhari, rahimahullah ta'ala, as well as many of those other early scholars of tafsir, were also uh, scholars of hadith. And scholars of hadith were also scholars of tafsir. So Imam al-Bukhari is a scholar of hadith, but many of his teachers are well-known scholars of tafsir as well, or their te- his teachers' teachers are. And then you have others like Ibn Abi Hatim, rahimahullah ta'ala, who's a famous scholar of hadith, but also has a famous tafsir. Imam al-Tabri, as we said, when we went through that special on his tafsir, his methodology, his life, his biography, was not only a, an amazing scholar of tafsir, but he was known for his knowledge of hadith, as well as being a faqih and a historian, and so on and so forth. So that's the first name that is known by Wal-Adiyat. The second name that it is known by is Surah Al-Adiyat, Al-Adiyat, so without the wow. And that is the name, obviously, that we refer to it now as, that's the name that it has kind of, uh, you know, just become known and, 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 and become known by. And really the difference between the two is, is I think, uh, minute. Obviously, it is just the wow, the wal-adiyat, wal-adiyat or al-adiyat. So Ibn Hatim, rahimahullah, from the early scholars of, of tafsir, uh, whose who's tafsir, Ibn Hatim, is one of the earliest compilations of tafsir that we have as well. He refers to it as al-adiyat. And it seems that towards or after that time, around the 5th, 6th, 7th century of Islam, that was the name that became well known for this surah, and it's the name that people kind of took upon and, 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 and settled upon. And that's because Ibn Hajar, ta'ala, when he comes to his explanation of Sahih al-Bukhari, he refers to the surah as al-adiyat and not wal-adiyat. And clearly, there's the, you know, whatever name it is, isn't really a major issue, right? other than those few surahs that we have an authentic hadith from the Prophet ﷺ that he named a surah and he referred to a surah in a specific way like Falaq, like Nas, like Baqarah, like Ali Imran, like Suratul Mulk, like Suratul Kahf. For them, it is best to stick to the names given by the Prophet ﷺ because we have authentic hadith. But as for every other surah, then the companions would have different names and the early scholars would have different names. So it seems though by the time Ibn Hajar comes and then those who come after him as well, Ibn Al-Jawzi, Ibn Kathir, Rahimahumullah amongst others, then refer to this surah as Surah Al-Adiyat. So in terms of its names, two names, Al-Adiyat and Wal-Adiyat. In terms of its revelation, is it pre-Hijrah or post-Hijrah, then what seems to be, um, or this, there is a difference of opinion amongst the scholars of Tafsir. Some of them said it is a Makki surah, meaning that it was revealed before the Hijrah, and others said that it was a Madani surah, meaning revealed after the Hijrah. Those who said that it was revealed before the Makki period, or before the Hijrah in the Makki period, amongst them is Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah, Jabir ibn Abdullah radiallahu anh, Ata, rahimahullah al-Hassan al-Basri, Ikrimah, and others. 
Ikrima and others. And it was the position that many of the scholars of tafsir settled upon amongst the most famous of them, Ibn Kathir rahimahullah ta'ala. Ibn Atiyah rahimahullah in his tafsir he said, وَهَذَا قَوْلُ جُمْهُورِ أَهْلِ الْعِلْمِ And this opinion, meaning that it is a Makki surah, is the opinion of the vast majority of the scholars. It is the opinion of the majority of the people of knowledge. That they refer to this surah or that they consider this surah to be a Makki surah. Other scholars said that it is a Madani surah, meaning that it was revealed post-Hijrah, after the Hijrah of the Prophet And this is also reported as an opinion of Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma. It is said that it was, report, uh, it was the opinion of Anas ibn Malik radiallahu an, the famous companion. His famous student Qatada rahimahullah is also considered to hold this opinion as well as the scholar of tafsir Muqatil amongst others. So you have well-known personalities, scholars saying that it is a Makki surah and well-known personalities and scholars saying that it is a Madani surah. And Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma has a narration of this and a narration of that and uh, we will speak about why he has two narrations and we will mention those two narrations when we come to the tafsir of the first verse. Al-Imam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah ta'ala, Shaykh al-Islam, he said concerning the opinion that it is a madani surah, that it is a surah that was revealed after the hijrah, he said, and this opinion seems to be stronger for um, uh, if you hold the tafsir of the first verse, wal-adiyati dabha, to being refer, referring to horses. If wal-adiyati refers to horses. And we'll come on to that anyway. And what he's actually referring to, Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah ta'ala, what he's alluding to there is the reason why there's a difference of opinion. And often what we try to do is when we see the difference of opinion as we've tried to do previously, when there's been a difference of opinion amongst the scholars of tafsir, is this surah Makki or Madani, is to try to understand why there is that difference of opinion. And this is something which is always good for a student of knowledge, for someone studying, to be able to appreciate and understand why there is a difference of opinion. So we know that there's differences of opinion on many things. In hadith, there's differences of opinion. Is this hadith strong or is it weak? Is this narrator reliable or unreliable? In fiqh, as we know that there is a vast difference of opinion on, on a whole host of issues where you have differences of opinion. And likewise in tafsir, on issues, you have differences of opinion. Where there is a difference of opinion that cannot be reconciled, as we've said before, if it can be reconciled, then it's not really a difference of opinion. But if there is a difference of opinion that is legitimate, it exists, cannot be reconciled, like Makki or Madani, it's either revealed before the Hijrah or after the Hijrah. Therefore, how do we approach that issue as a student, as someone who wants to learn and understand and appreciate where those scholars come? Because it's not easy to just dismiss one opinion over another. If you have, for example, in fiqh, you know, Imam Malik says something and Imam Abu Hanif says something else, it's not easy just to dismiss one or the other because both of them are giants of Islam in terms of their scholarship and knowledge and in terms of their piety and their uh, turning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And likewise in tafsir, if you hear that okay, Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhum has one opinion, Anas ibn Malik has another, both illustrious companions radiallahu anhum, both prolific narrators of hadith, both scholars of Islam in their own right, it is difficult to dismiss one and or to dismiss the other without understanding the reason why and that's why it is important and that's why in fiqh and in other sciences of Islam to know what is called sababul khilaf the reason behind their differing 
it is one of the most important and one of the most crucial aspects of any knowledge that you learn in terms of the Islamic sciences. It helps you to appreciate so much. It helps you to appreciate and understand where that comes from. And that's what Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah is referring to when he says that the Madani opinion that the surah is a Madani surah is an opinion that suits those scholars who said that the first verse refers to horses. And what he's referring to there, and we'll come on to this in more detail, but just to summarize so we understand the reason for the difference of opinion that exists here, is that he's referring to Now the word al-adiyat is referring to something, right? It's referring to something. And it's referring, uh, it's referring, and this is what we call the science of gharib al-Qur'an. Gharib means the unfamiliar words. Gharib al-Qur'an, the science of the unfamiliar words of the Qur'an, and scholars of the past used to write books just on this topic. They would have books that they would author just on this science, and it is from the sciences of the Qur'an. And we've covered this in other ways before, uh, you know, without necessarily going into detail in the science, as we will, you know, as, and we're not going to go into that detail today, but perhaps maybe, inshallah ta'ala, next year, that will be one of the specials that we do when we speak about the science of Gharib al-Qur'an. Gharib al-Qur'an is something that we've... Uh, had to had to incorporate before, for example, in Surah Falaq, when we said Al-Falaq, what does it refer to? When we said Ghasiqin, Ida Waqab, these are words that are not familiar even in modern Arabic language. Ghasiq, what does it refer to? Waqab, what does it refer to? So those words that are not familiar in the Arabic language are known as Gharib Al-Quran, unfamiliar words. Even amongst Arab speakers, native Arab speakers, people who have learned the language, these are not words that they would necessarily learn unless they have a very high level of, of understanding and knowledge and education in Arabic literature and Arabic you know, morphology and so on and so forth. Gharib al-Quran speaks about those words of the Quran that are not familiar words. They're unfamiliar and unknown words. From amongst the most famous examples that you can ever give of Gharib al-Quran is in Surah Adiyat. What does Al-Adiyat refer to? And that's where the difference of opinion is. Some of the scholars said, as we will come on to in more detail, but just briefly, that it's referring to horses. And others said Al-Adiyat refers to uh, camels. So those who said that it refers to horses, and they mean war horses, horses in jihad, horses fighting in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Those scholars who said that it's referring to horses, it's as if they said, if it's referring to jihad, Jihad only became an obligation, only became legislated rather. It only became a part of the Sharia after the Hijrah, not before. The Prophet ﷺ never fought in the Meccan period. It was only after the Medinan period that we have battles like Uhud and Badr and so on and so forth. So therefore, if this is a surah or the first verse is speaking about that, it's a Madani surah. Others said, no, it's not speaking about that. It is a Makki surah and therefore what it's uh, what it's referring to is the camels. Referring to camels are not necessarily war horses, but camels, and we'll come on to that in more detail. I don't, I don't want to go into the minutiae of those two opinions and, and the detail of them now, but just so that you know that is the difference of opinion. However, just because, and the stronger opinion is the opinion of the majority and Allah knows best. The surah is a Makki surah. And the way that we understand that then is that just because it is referring to horses, even if we say, that it is war horses, horses performing jihad, horses on the battlefield, and so on and so forth. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's a Madani surah just because jihad wasn't legislated until after 
after the hijrah of the Prophet ﷺ from Mecca to Medina. It's very possible that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can refer to horses without referring to the legislation of jihad because the Arabs, by their very nature and their society and what they lived in, were familiar with war. War was a very common aspect amongst the Arabs and the tribes of Arabia and the civil wars are famous amongst them and their internal strife and internal fighting amongst Arabian Qabail and tribes and clans of the peninsula is extremely well known before Islam and um, it's something which, which the Arabs were very familiar with. So the concept of what Allah is referring to that is taking an oath by is a concept that is understood by the Arabs anyway, irrespective of the legislation of jihad. And so that seems to be the stronger opinion Allah knows best. But that is why you see this difference of opinion amongst those scholars. Some of them saying that it refers to horses, others camels, and that's something inshallah ta'ala which we can we will speak about shortly in slightly more detail. It is a surah that has 11 verses and inshallah ta'ala I will begin by reciting the surah and then we will begin by uh, going into the tafsir of the first uh, verse of the surah. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعاديات ضبحا فالموريات قدحا فالمغيرات صبحا فأثرن به نقعا فوسطن به جمعا إن الإنسان لربه لكنود وَإِنَّهُ عَلَى ذَلِكَ لَشَهِيدٌ وَإِنَّهُ لِحُبِّ الْخَيْرِ لَشَدِيدٌ أَفَلَا يَعْلَمُ إِذَا بُعْثِرَ مَا فِي الْقُبُورِ وَحُصِّلَ مَا فِي الصُّدُورِ إِنَّ رَبَّهُمْ بِهِمْ يَوْمَئِذٍ لَخَبِيرٌ so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins by mentioning the first verse وَالْعَادِيَاتِ ضَبْحَا By the charging steeds that pant which is the translation of Abdul Halim. Muhsin Khan said by the steeds that run with panting breath. Piktol said by the snorting horses. Sahih International by the racers panting. Yusuf Ali by the steeds that run with panting breath and Mufti Taqi I swear by those horses that run snorting. So as you can see in terms of the translators, they have all kind of chosen the opinion of tafsir that it's referring to horses. And as we've said before, and just to re-emphasize, what a translation is in essence is a translation of the meanings of the Qur'an, meaning of a tafsir of the Qur'an. So the translator, especially on verses like this, where a number of opinions exist, they are essentially choosing one of them because they can't translate the Qur'an as saying by the charging steeds or the camels as they pant, right? They choose one and that is what they refer to. So this verse, uh, we're going to split it into two, Wal-Adiyat, number one, and then Dabha, which is the, the second half of the verse. Al-Adiyat, is where we have a difference of opinion amongst the scholars of tafsir. The first thing to mention is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is taking an oath by this. So the wow at the beginning of the first verse is wow al-qasam, the wow of an oath. And in Arabic, one of the ways that we take an oath is by adding the wow at the beginning. 
So you say Wallahi, right? Wallahi, or Warabil Kaaba. Or as the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam would often say, as is mentioned in numerous hadith, Walladhi Nafsi Biyadeh, by the one in whose hand is my soul. Or you have the other one that's famous amongst Arabs, Warabil Kaaba, by the Lord of the Kaaba, Warabil Bayt, by the Lord of the house, meaning the Kaaba. Wallahi, by Allah. And so on in the Quran, it also comes with, as we've mentioned before, with the ta as well. Tallahi. Tallahi. Right? So, uh, Allah Azza wa Jal is taking an oath. And as we've discussed before, uh, when Allah Azza wa Jal, for example, takes an oath by time, wal asr, and, uh, and in other, other surahs of the Quran or other parts of the Quran and most surahs to come, Allah Azza wa Jal does this often with shamsi wa duhaha, wal layli idha yaghshaha. All of the wells at the beginning of um, of of the of these verses is a well qasm. And the well in the Arabic language can mean and, it can refer to and, and it can refer to an oath that is being taken. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says at the beginning of this surah, Allah is taking an oath. And Allah as we said before, only takes an oath by something that is important to stress its importance. When Allah says, well, asr, by time, it is to show the importance of time and it is to stress its importance to us as well. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about when he says by the adiyat, Allah is taking an oath by this thing to show its importance to us and to show that it is something that we should pay attention to as a sign from the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Al-adiyat, the word adi is something which races, which runs, which uh, which charges. And so the scholars of tafsir differ as to what it's referring to. The word adi or adiyat, which is the plural, isn't referring to an animal. It's not the name of an animal. So the word adiyat isn't a name for horses or camels or donkeys or any other type of animal, which is why... Because if, if it was a name or a term that they were known by, these animals or a animal, then it would be pretty easy in terms of tafsir because it's quite obvious then what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is referring to. Rather, it's referring to a description. Adiyat is referring to a description. It's referring to a, uh, a an attribute of this animal. And that is that it can charge and it can run. So the first opinion amongst the scholars of tafsir, as we mentioned, and the one that is uh, perhaps the opinion of the majority and the one that many of the scholars settled upon and it's the one that you'll find, for example, in especially in the smaller tafsirs like tafsir al-Sa'di, tafsir al-Jalalain and others, the one that if they have to choose in their short tafsirs, it is the one that they will choose out of the two opinions, uh, is that it is referring to horses, referring to horses and not just any horse but war horses, right, and Arabian horses. And Arabian horses, as you know, are well known for their speed and for the endurance. And they're well known, um, you know, they're bred in race horsing even till today. And in those days, they were used for war and for charging and so on because they are known for their speed, their agility, their strength, their endurance. Uh, Arabian horses are, are very well known. So that's the first opinion that it's referring to horses, as Ibn Abi Hatim. Rahimahullah Ta'ala says, and he narrates this as the opinion of Abdullah ibn Abbas, عنهما, and as we said, Ibn Abbas on this issue, on the issue of is the Surah Makki Madani, has both opinions, because he has an opinion where he says it's horses, and an opinion where he seems to imply and say that it's referring to 
camels. And because of his double uh, opinions on this issue, therefore he has the two opinions in terms of it being a Mecki or a Madani surah as well. But the first opinion of his and the one that is more well known from him, radiyallahu anhuma, is that it's referring to horses and he gives um, a reason behind the revelation of this surah, a cause of revelation. He will, Ibn Abi Hatim in this, in this uh, narration, as well as Al-Wahidi in his book of Asbab al-Nuzul, cause of revelation, also mentions a similar narration. However, both of these narrations, to um, the best of my knowledge and Allah knows best, are not authentic. Not, they have weakness within them. But what they say anyway, uh, for the purposes of our lesson, that Abdullah ibn Abbas said the Prophet وسلم, sent horses in an army. Sent an army of, of uh, an army to go and fight a battle of the companions, and amongst them were horse riders, amongst them were knights. فَاسْتَمَرَّتْ شَهْرًا and they were absent, the army was absent for a month and the Prophet ﷺ didn't receive any news from them, for, for, about them, concerning them. And so Allah revealed to him, by the charging steeds that pant referring to their horses as they are charging the enemy and fighting them. And Al-Wahidi and obviously Ibn Abi Hatim rahimahullah, uh, died in the year 327 Hijri. Ibn Abi Hatim, so he's from... Um, around the same era of Al-Imam Al-Tabari rahimahullah. Slightly after them, Al-Wahidi, who died in 468 Hijri, he says, and he narrates a narration of Muqatil rahimahullah, who mentions, and again it is a Mursal narration because Muqatil is not a companion, he, he wasn't there, but he doesn't mention who he took this from. But Muqatil says that the Prophet wasallam sent an expedition, a, an army of companions to fight in the area of the tribe of Kinana. And amongst them, or the person that was leading this expedition was the companion Al-Mundhir ibn Amr al-Ansari. Al-Mundhir ibn Amr al-Ansari. But the Prophet wasallam didn't hear about them, any news. No news came to him concerning this expedition or this army that had set out. So the hypocrites began to say, all of them have been killed. They lost and all of them have been killed. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed by the charging steeds that pant, meaning those horses that are away. Those are the two uh, narrations that we have. As I said, there is weakness in both of them. And Imam Shawkani rahimahullah ta'ala said the word adiyat is the plural of adiyah. And it refers to something that runs, something that charges in a uh, and, and runs with uh, in a very fast way. And Al-Imam Al-Mawardi said they are called Adiyat because they come from the root word of Adu. Adu means enemy. And they are called Adiyat because these are war horses that charge the enemy. And when they come in speed and, and with the ferocity that they come with and they charge the army and the enemy, then it casts fear and terror into the hearts of the enemy. As you know, if you have a group of, or if you have a line of soldiers who are standing on the ground, infantry, and you have horses that are charging them, knights on horseback, coming with that speed and with that ferocity, it is the fear that casts that is being cast into the hearts of the enemy. And so it comes from the word adu, and from it you have the word adiyah, which is singular, and adiyat, which is then the plural. And qatada, Ta'ala, he has an opinion and he has a narration in which he says Al-Adiyati Dabha refers to horses as well. And Ibn Abbas anhuma, in another narration of his. 
So the first one was concerning the cause of revelation, but this is his statement concerning the tafsir of the verse. He says that it's referring to horses because there is no other animal that pants. And the word dabha means to pant. There is no other animal that pants other than a horse or a dog. Horses and dogs are the two that are panting and clearly dogs because of their status in Islam and generally you know, what they're considered to be in terms of their uh, spiritual impurity and, uh, and so on uh, isn't what Allah is referring to and so therefore it is clearly horses. However, Ibn Atiyah when he mentions this opinion of Ibn Abbas he says that I think that this statement of Ibn Abbas is not authentic from him. Ibn Atiyah, the famous scholar of tafsir from the scholars of Spain, of Andalus. He says in his tafsir, he says that I don't think that this is an authentic opinion of Ibn Abbas because it is not correct that only horses and dogs pant. Rather, camels can pant and other animals can pant like foxes and wolves and so on and so forth. They are also known to be able to pant and in the Arabic language, all of them are known to pant and are described as animals that pant as well. And so therefore, um, he seems to dismiss this this particular statement, not the opinion of Ibn Abbas that he says that it's his horses, but this particular statement of his he seems to dismiss, and that is that Ibn Abbas عنهما, is saying that it must be a horse because only horses and dogs pant, and Allah knows best. So that is the first opinion that is referring to horses, and not just any horse, but the horses that are fighting enemies. So the horses of jihad, the horses that are fighting in war, the horses that are fighting fi sabirillah in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to please Allah azza wa And that is an important thing to remember. That caveat right there is important to remember that it's not just any horse, you know, people that are just using horses as a mode of transportation or using horses uh, just because they're breeding or horses to race or whatever else. It is referring to horses that are there to charge at the enemy and to fight in the path of Allah Azza wa Jal. And that is what Allah Azza wa Jal is taking the oath by. That is what Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala is praising in this verse. As opposed to, as we said before, one of the themes of this surah is people who are just concerned about materialism, dunya, 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 wealth, 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 materialism, and materialism and more materialism. Allah Azza wa Jal instead is praising those people who are serving their religion, serving their Lord, serving their Creator Subhanahu wa Ta'ala, and working for their Akhirah and for the next life instead. The other opinion amongst the scholars of tafsir is that it refers to um, that it refers to camels. And in particular the camels that people ride as they perform Hajj. The camels that people ride obviously in that time as they travel for Hajj and as they move in Hajj from one site to another, from one mash'ar, from one place to another, from Mina to Arafa and Arafa to Muzdalifa and from Muzdalifa back to Mina. Imam Al-Tabari rahimahullah ta'ala in his tafsir, Imam Al-Tabari died in the year 310 Hijri. He says the scholars of Ta'wil, ta'wil. the scholars of tafsir differed concerning the verse So some of them said that it refers to the horses as they charge their enemy and as they attack them and others from amongst them said that it refers to the uh, the camels and he mentions the first opinion of uh, referring to horses as being the opinion of Ikrimah rahimahullah the famous student of Ibn Abbas and Ata another student of Ibn Abbas and Al-Dahaq and Al-Hassan al-Basri and Abu Al-Aliya and he says the opinion that it refers to camels is the opinion of Ali radiallahu anhu and Abdullah ibn Mas'ud 
and his famous student Ibrahim al-Nakha'i and the famous scholar Ubaid ibn Umair. And the, um, there's a narration of Ali radiallahu an that is mentioned and that is that Abu Salih who's one of the students of Ali radiallahu an, one of his students, he said concerning this verse that it refers to camels. Dabha is referring to camels. So Ikrima rahimahullah, the student of Ibn Abbas, he said to him, Abu Salih, Ikrima said, the student of Ibn Abbas, I heard my teacher Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma say that it refers to horses. So Abu Salih said to him, the student of Ali, Abu Salih said to him, Mawlaya afqahu min mawlak, my teacher or my master is more knowledgeable than yours. My teacher is more knowledgeable than yours. And so that's one statement that is reported from them. And Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu an, as we said, his opinion is that it's referring to camels, but he specifies them in a statement of his, and he says, It is the camels during the season of Hajj. And what I wanted you to focus on the horses as being horses that are performing jihad, the reason why I said focus on that issue there is because now when it comes to camels, it's not just any camel, it's not just camels that are being used for meat, to eat or camels that are being used to transport or ride. It is camels also that are being used to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the service of Allah azza wa jal. And we know within the sharia, the close link between those two acts of worship of jihad and hajj. For example, the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in which Aisha radiallahu anha asked him, O Messenger of Allah, is there a jihad upon women? He said, yes, a jihad in which there is no killing and fighting. And that is al-hajj. And so the Sharia has a number of narrations that make a, a, a clear link and connection between these two acts of worship because of the difficulty within both of them, the crowds within both of them, the patience that is needed, the traveling that needs to be done, the absence from your family and so on and so forth. And, and clearly uh, in Hajj, you have at times fatalities and people that pass away and people that are injured, people that fall ill as well. And so that the reason, therefore, that I want you to understand this is because both of those opinions, and as we progress on this surah, you will see how some of the scholars, even at Tabari as he goes on, tries to reconcile between those two positions in some of the tafsir of the following verses. You see a clear link between the two, that both of them, that what Allah is taking an oath by for both of those opinions, is not just the animal by itself, which in and of itself isn't necessarily praiseworthy. What is praiseworthy about it and what Allah is emphasizing and drawing our attention to is how it can be used for good. And when it is used for good and for the worship of Allah and for His pleasure subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is something that is worthy of Allah taking an oath by it. So if we were to now take that and extrapolate from that in our time, when we have wealth that Allah has given to us, when we have cars and we have many other blessings and other things that Allah has given to us in and of themselves, as we've said before, having wealth and money, having a car, having a nice house, having other things in and of themselves, don't make it good or bad. It is how you use them. And so what Allah is praising is those people who have these animals and use them in a way that brings them closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, just as we have technology and we have everything around us, what are we doing with that time? Right? What are we doing with those blessings that Allah Azza wa has bestowed upon us, especially during this time that we're currently in, the time that you have now, the free time that Allah has given to you, the ability to 
to um, to recognize his blessings, the ability to and the opportunity to turn back to him and worship him even more, to study your religion even more. How are you using these opportunities? So those are the two opinions that you have. The reason why Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma has uh, that fluctuating opinion, or, or it is reported from him rather that he has both opinions, is because of a narration of Sa'id ibn Jubair, rahimahullah taala, the famous scholar of the, amongst the Tabi'een, that he said that Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma was speaking to him one day, and he said that I was sitting with him in the Hijr meaning in the Hijr of Ismail in the Kaaba, and you have that semicircle outside of the Kaaba which is part of the Kaaba, but isn't made as part of it. It is it's not made within the, the same walls, but it is actually a part of the Kaaba. He was sitting there. And he said a man came and he asked him, whilst he was sitting there, Ibn Abbas, What does it refer to? He said it is referring to the horses as they fight in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then they come back and they rest at night. And fire is lit whilst they spend their night resting and as they eat and so on. And that obviously is referring to the next verse, the second verse, فَالْمُورِيَاتِ قَدْحَ Which we will come on to uh, later on, inshallah ta'ala. Or possibly now next week. But he's basically uh, mentioning the tafsir of both verses. So he says that he left us, this man, he left us and he went to Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu. And Ali radiallahu anhu was sitting by Zamzam, was sitting by Zamzam. So Zamzam, the wall of Zamzam itself, he was sitting by there. So he went to him and he asked him, what is Wal'adiyati Dabha referring to? And Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu said to him, have you asked anyone this question before me? He said, yes. He said, I asked the same question to Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah. So he said to me that it's referring to the horses as they go and they fight in the path of Allah Azza wa Jal. So Ali radiallahu anhu said to this man, go to him, go back to him and call him to me, tell him to come to me. So I went and I called Abdullah ibn Abbas, the narrator says, I went to call Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah and we both came and we stood by Ali radiallahu anhu. And Ali radiallahu anhu says to him, Tufti nasa bima la ilma laka bihi. Do you speak to people and tell them about that which you have no knowledge of? Wallahi, by Allah, the first battle in Islam was the battle of Badr. And there were only two horses that we had in the Muslim army. One of them belonging to Az-Zubayr and one of them belonging to Al-Miqdad radiallahu anhumah. So how can al-adiyati dabha being referred to, being refer, how can al-adiyati dabha refer to horses? Rather what it refers to is as the pilgrims leave from Arafah and they go to Muzdalifa and as they leave from Muzdalifa and they go to Mina. Meaning that he's saying that it's referring to the camels or it's referring to the modes of transportation that people have as they travel from these sites during the Hajj. And so Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah said that I left my opinion and I went to the opinion of Ali radiallahu anhu. And that's because of that statement of Ibn Abbas that you have both of those narrations that he says sometimes or you have narrations that, that in which he says that they are referring to horses and narrations in which he says that they are referring to camels. And then you also have therefore his two positions on whether this surah is a Makki surah or whether it is referring to a Madani surah and Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. Al-Imam Al-Tabari, 
rahimahullah ta'ala after after mentioning many of these opinions that i have mentioned to you he says and from the two opinions the one that in my view is the strongest and the closest to the truth is the one that says that it's referring to horses and not camels because camels do not pant in the way that the horses pant that Allah Azza wa Jal is referring to. Camels are not known to pant in a similar way or in the way in which horses referring to and then he says and that is opinion and then he mentions the scholars of amongst the scholars of tafsir who agreed with his position. But Ibn Atiyah rahimahullah ta'ala says that it's possible to combine between the two and say that it can be concerning camels and concerning uh, horses as well because camels and horses are used in hajj and camels and horses can also be used for warfare and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best uh, Sheikh al-Sa'di rahimahullah ta'ala Abdul Rahman al-Sa'di rahimahullah ta'ala the famous scholar of Saudi Arabia the teacher of Sheikh Ibn al-Thaymeen Sheikh Abdullah ibn Aqil and many others alayhim rahmatullah he said that Allah azza wa takes an oath and he takes it concerning the horses because of the great sign and clear sign that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed within that. And that is that Allah Azza wa Jal speaks about them and their speed and their strength and their power. And Allah Azza wa Jal is speaking about their panting noise that they make as they rush towards the enemy in order to attack it. And Al-Imam ibn Al-Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala mentions in his tafsir of this verse, he says that Allah Azza wa Jal speaks about the, and this is also one of the ways that he's combining Ibn Al-Qayyim also is combining between the two opinions in the sense that he says that it does refer to horses but it says the fact that Allah Azza wa is mentioning horses in first instance does not mean that it is exclusively referring to horses but that that is the example that Allah has chosen to give but rather what it's referring to is that it's referring to that as by, by way of example not by way of exclusivity but it can refer to other things that other people are using in that same way of turning to Allah and using it in good and trying to come to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he mentions therefore that it's very possible that he can refer to camels at some time as well. Right, camels at some time as well because camels are mentioned in the Quran as also being an animal that people should take lessons from. But also um, camels are also mentioned as a way of coming closer to Allah azza wa jal. For example, people who made hijrah upon camels, people who use them also in warfare, people who use them in other actions of good, like going for hajj, because that is clearly one of the greatest acts of worship that a person can perform. So you have those two opinions, it's referring to horses, in terms of charging the enemy in, on the battlefield, and in terms of, and the second opinion it refers to camels, as they perform the hajj, and they travel to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and then you have scholars like Ibn Atiyah ibn Qayyim saying, that it's possible that they can refer to two, However, at first instance, the opinion of the vast majority of the scholars of tafsir is that it's referring to horses, and that's because as we come on to the next few verses, we have to see what Allah continues to say, and they say that the siyaq, or the context of those verses, and the way that Allah continues speaking about them, the descriptions that Allah continues to give, refers to horses more so than it refers to camels and Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. The second half of that verse, Dabha wal'adiyati Dabha. Dabha refers to breathing that is heavy or panting. 
and Ali radiallahu an Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhum and others, all of them said that dabha refers to breathing, refers to breathing. And essentially it refers to, in terms of horses, the panting that the horse makes as it runs at high speed. And that panting that I think we're all familiar with and we understand, that's something which is being referred to. Ibn Ashur, rahimahullah ta'ala, in his tafsir, he said that in my research, al-dabh with the ha at the end doesn't refer to the panting of camels, but rather it refers to only the panting of horses. In the Arabic language, when the Arabs speak about the camel panting, the end of the word has an ayn, not a ha. So it is not dabh, but dab'a. Dab'a. So with the ayn at the end instead of the ha. The ha, he says, refers to uh, horses. The ayn is what refers to the heavy breathing of the camels. And so therefore, he says, even from the linguistic point of view, it is something which is possible that it is referring, therefore, primarily at uh, for horses and not camels. But as we said, Ibn Ta'ala, when we mentioned that opinion of Ibn Abbas, he seemed to favor that it's possible that it can be referring to camels. And clearly, amongst the scholars of Tafsir, who also have an amazing knowledge of the Arabic language and understand its intricacies and understand its differences in terms of what words and what descriptions and what adjectives are used for what, they is amongst them a great number who also considered it to be referring to camels despite it being with the ha, despite it being dabha. And I think inshallah ta'ala there we will end our lesson bithnillahi ta'ala for the first verse and inshallah ta'ala next week we will continue at the same time of 8.30 and we will inshallah ta'ala continue with uh, the next coming uh, questions. There was an announcement um, that I had to make very quickly for you, uh, which wasn't that one, sorry, just one second. Uh, was here somewhere. I think the, the announcement was that we have an Instagram page now for Quranic Progression. So if you go to Instagram.com forward slash Quranic Progression, if you uh, subscribe to that channel or like it, whatever it is that you have to do with Instagram, I don't have Instagram, so I'm not sure. But whatever, however you follow that stuff, then our, um, yes, if you follow us at Instagram.com forward slash Quranic Progression, then our team, inshallah, is posting daily or posting reflections from the class and they're, and they're you know, like they're sharing stuff that inshallah ta'ala you can benefit from. So please, if you follow Instagram, you have Instagram, please follow us on Instagram.com forward slash Quranic Progression. So Jazakumullah Khair again for attending and being with us inshallah ta'ala i hope that allah azza wa jal keeps you all safe and that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes your affairs easy for you and that allah azza wa jal cures the sick from amongst us and that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mercy upon our brothers and sisters who have passed away due to this illness and this disease may allah azza wa jal continue to protect us and protect our communities and our families and our loved ones may allah azza wa jal make this a time in which we reflect and come closer to him increase in reward and may Allah Azza wa Jal make it a means of expiation for our sins and a means of raising our station in this life and the next. Jazakumullah khairan wa sallallahu ala nabiya Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.